still doing it? What's going on? <laughs> I love watching them scramble. It's kind of funny. Uh, no, I just uh, definitely appreciate Brian and Miriam and, and their leadership around here when it comes to the music. And, and I forgot to introduce her during both services. Christy Onans is up here helping with the child dedications. She's our uh, Fieldstone Kids Director. Definitely go and introduce yourself to her if you haven't met her. Uh, her and her husband, John, do a great job back there leading that ministry. But um, So we, um, we actually had a chance to hang out as a staff around Christmas. Uh, did a staff Christmas party. and Have you guys ever done the, the mystery breakout room thing? I know they have them. You can get like the at-home version, which doesn't seem as fun. But um, So we went and did that. There's a place in Ann Arbor that you can go to. And if you've never done it, basically you get an hour, and they stick you in this room. There's usually some type of a theme. And uh, somehow you have to figure out the code to get yourself out of the room in like an hour. And you start with all these different... I'd never done it before. I think it helps to have some, uh, some prior knowledge of how the process works. Um, but you go in, and, and our theme was uh, like uh, haunted circus or, or uh, weird circus or, or something like that. So all kinds of different animals and, and weird things like that. But we go in here, and, and you find yourself trying to do uh, the clues, and each clue leads to a puzzle, and the puzzle leads to another puzzle or another clue, and sometimes you just have to get lucky, and, and you find your way out. And we were at a little bit of a disadvantage. It was um, us uh, Kathy and I, it was uh, Joe and Leah, it was John and Christy, and then Brian and Miriam couldn't be with us. They were dealing with an illness that was going through the house for that week. So we were at a, dis- a disadvantage because really, if you have Brian in that situation, you just give Brian a five-hour energy and let him go, and he just like, he would just buzz around the room, and if all else fails, he turns into uh, uh, the Tasmanian devil and just finds his way out of the room. So, so we didn't have them, and we were coming off. We did dinner at Ichiban that night, and so we all had this food coma. We were like, Whoa, that was amazing. Wait, you want me to solve what? And so, so we're at a bit of a disadvantage, but you find yourself in these spots where you get a little bit stuck, and, and it feels like you have a coin flip as to which way you should go. And we, we would get in these, it was frustrating, because I just want, just tell me how to do it, and I'll figure it out. But you'd find yourself like, all right, is it the lion or the monkey? Like, if we get this wrong, it's going to screw everything up, screw else, everything else up after that. So lion or monkey, lion or monkey, we need a clue. And sometimes if you got stuck, someone on the outside would stick a card through the door or something, and you'd get a little clue. And so we're like, oh, man, if there's a camera in here, give us something. And so a card came through, and we're like, all right, lion or monkey. And you read the card. The ringmaster's favorite animal is a bear. They're like, well, that doesn't help. Well, well, maybe the bear is a carnivore, and the lion's a carnivore, so maybe that's where we're supposed to go. Or maybe... He doesn't like the lion because he likes the bear and they're rivals. So we have to go with the monkey and maybe the monkey rides on the bear. And you're just like, he just starts messing with your head. And you're like, just tell me how to get out of here and we'll get out of here because I don't want to sit here and watch the clock go down to zero. Um, so it's just frustrating. I just want clarity. And I felt that same feeling years ago serving at a church and my boss had called me in for a quick conversation. Now, what I thought would be a quick conversation was actually kind of frustrating. Um, so in that, in that time, we were doing student ministries and the basic layout of our week was um, pretty, pretty normal, pretty traditional schedule for student ministry. Sunday morning, we had Sunday school, so we'd have our, our middle school and high school Sunday school classes. Sunday night was for extra stuff. Like sometimes we would do leadership, uh, a student leadership team, leadership training, uh, maybe like evangelism training. Think like churchy stuff for the kids that just want more, right? Like kind of that higher level kid. And then Wednesday night was the big youth group night, middle school, high school, dodgeball, pizza, music, all the, all the cool stuff that you do at youth group. So Sunday morning, Sunday school, Sunday night extras, Wednesday night, big youth group night. So what we found was in that area, like a lot of areas, 
There's a lot going on on Wednesday nights within the community. A big sports town. Um, those school districts were big into marching band and choir and drama and all that stuff. And it just seemed like everything was falling on Wednesday night. So we thought, well, shoot, we want to reach as many kids as we can. We want our kids to be able to bring their friends. Let's make an adjustment. Let's hit Sunday night because then if they don't come, it's because they just don't want to or they saved all their homework for Sunday night or whatever. So we made that switch. All the same stuff happening. So now instead of Wednesday night youth group, Sunday night extras, it just flip-flops. So Wednesday night had the extras. Sunday night had the big youth group, and you got the Sunday morning thing all set, right? We kept everybody informed, parent meetings, uh, made sure that the board knew what was going on, ran everything, all good. So we get a few weeks into it, and my boss calls me in and says, hey, hey, I, I know you guys made this switch. How's it going? Blah, blah, blah. And just, you know, just some, some of that conversation. I got a sense that there's something more to the conversation than just kind of uh, surfacey stuff. And he said, so since you guys have made the switch, I've heard from a few parents, and because the big thing isn't on Wednesday night, there's kind of a gap between Sundays for some of the kids who don't come on Wednesday. And, and even though everything is there, it just for some of them it feels like there's not as much available for the kids. And so I, I walked him through it again, dry erase board. Hey, you know, this was Sunday morning. That's the same. This was Sunday night and Wednesday. We just switched those. So it's kind of like one of these, you know, like there's still, there's still two. I didn't do that. I'm not that disrespectful at times. I was, I was thinking these things, uh, but wouldn't do that, uh, in his, uh, do, do that to his face. But I'm thinking, I mean, there was three before. There's three now. They're all the same. What are we feeling here? And he's like, yeah, they're just it just feels like there's less. Now, what, what do you think we can do about that? I'm like, is there something you want to say? Like, what, what, what we're supposed to do about what? Their feelings? What, what are we supposed to, what are you asking me to do? And we never, just kind of kept circling around. He never really got to the point. He just kind of left me. With, just think about that. What, what could we do since it feels like there's less? I'm thinking we could learn math. We could do that and just decide that A equals B equals C, no matter what order they're in. But uh, that's neither here nor there. It's, it's, it's frustrating. I get frustrated when there's a lack of clarity, right? When we're living in the gray, when we're living with just lack of information, lack of just be direct. It's one of the things I actually enjoy most about Brian is he and I will talk direct to each other. We'll get, we'll get new people in the band and they'll be like, did you hear what Brian said to Justin? Can you believe he said that? Well, that's how we like to talk to each other. Just spit it out, right? Just tell me what you're thinking. And, and I feel that way sometimes when it comes to the Bible. I feel that way sometimes when it comes to God, where there are just certain things where I just, I wish there was a little bit more directness, a little bit more specific, a little bit more clarity, like, God, just come out and say it. Because you have some significant topics like baptism or, or things like miracles, some, some of the sign gifts like speaking in tongues or, or, or end times type stuff. I know it gets addressed, but if you just could come right out and tell us exactly how you want this to happen, tell us if, if this was true then, does it still work now? How many of these things? And, and yet we're left with a bit of a gray area. We're left with a lack of clarity. And certainly the big things. You, you can take things that God said about himself here and how he interacted here and, and what he teaches us here and how Jesus and his followers interacted with people. And you can piece together, like, this is true and this is for sure and this is an absolute. And you can do those things, but some things just aren't as clear as you like. So with all of that said, those two really awesome stories... And my frustration with areas where God isn't quite so clear, today's teaching is the exact opposite of that feeling. The, the passage today that we're going to get into in John chapter 14 is so clear, it is so specific, 
And it's reiterated many times in Scripture that it leaves no room for doubt as, as to what is being said and what's happening. Um, and as we get into John 14, if you haven't been with us, we're in a series called Terminal, basically looking at the chapters of John 13 through 17, where Jesus is terminal. He knows he's going to die. He knows the end is coming. And as many of you have experienced with parents or grandparents or other loved ones, people close to you, when the end is near and you know it's coming, the conversation changes a little bit. The tone of the conversation changes a little bit and things get said that might not otherwise get said. And Jesus did the same thing. He said, hey, I'm, I'm about to leave you. Things are going to happen that you don't fully understand. And so I need, to, I need to make sure you understand a couple important things. I need to leave some things behind so that when I'm gone, you know what's going on. You know what I'm asking of you. And so the, the first couple weeks when it came to uh, serving, the way Jesus served in washing his disciples' feet, last week we talked about love, how the, the way we'll be identified as Christ followers is the way that we love each other within the body of Christ. And so the, those first couple weeks are in that category of, of Jesus reminding those of us who have already chosen to follow him of some very important things, some reminders, some encouragement, some challenges Today kind of enters into the other category of things that Jesus needs to clear up for those who are still kind of unsure, those who still might be totally un, might not be totally clear on what it means to follow Jesus, what faith is all about, might still be seeking out, what is this all about, who am I supposed to be, what am I supposed to follow? And so today becomes a very clear, very direct reminder as to who Jesus is and what this thing is all about. So with that said, let's go to John 14. Many of you will recognize this passage, very common passage in, in church world and Sunday school and sermons and things like that. Um, so John 14, 1, Jesus says to his disciples, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms, and if that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. So, so what Jesus is saying makes a lot of sense based on where they're coming out of, right? We, we talked about the washing of the feet, talked about loving one another, but in the midst of those passages over the last couple weeks, there's some, there's some tense moments, some things that might get, get the anxiety level up in the, in the lives of the disciples for a few minutes because they're saying, okay, Jesus is talking weird again. I know he's He's mentioned something about the future before and how he might, you know, there might be trouble at the end of this journey and he's got some things that are going to be going on. But now he's, now he's talking about how he's going to die and he's going somewhere that we, we can't follow him. He's telling us to love one another and some of them are probably thinking, well, we don't really say I love you in my family. So that's going to be a little bit difficult for some of them. And Judas literally got up and left the dinner a few minutes ago. So some of them are still trying to figure that out. Jesus just told Peter that he's going to deny him three times, so they're trying to navigate that, and, and somewhere in there, Jesus may have said something about the ringmaster liking the bear. I don't know. So there's all kinds of things that Jesus is throwing out there that's providing some uncertainty as to what's going on, and so Jesus, in his way, changes the tone. He says, listen, listen, just, I know I've said some things that are scaring you a little bit. I know you're unsure about what's going on. Just remember, I want you to serve. I want you to love each other. Here's the thing. Believe in God. Believe in me. Trust me. Right? I'm going to a real place. You, you can't see it, but it's real. And that place is not just for me. That place is for you. And even though I'm leaving, I will come back. This is all going to play out the way it's supposed to. It's going to be a good thing. You just have to trust me. 
So then the next phrase, I'm not sure if he's purposely trying to initiate the next part of the conversation, that that's likely, or if he truly assumes that they know what in the world he's talking about. So he continues on into John 14, 4, talking about, hey, I'm, I'm going to prepare a place for you. I'm going to go there. I'm going to come back and get you. Verse 4, he says, you know the way to the place where I'm going. And Thomas says, I got to imagine speaking up for the other disciples, says, Lord, we, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? And you might think, how could they not get it after all this time, right? All the teaching that Jesus has done. We, we have uh, Paul saying to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. It's kind of an instantaneous thing. We could go Revelation 21 and 22, where it lays out all these details about what heaven will look like, what the new Jerusalem looks like. Revelation uh, 21.10, John says that he carried me away in the spirit to a mountain great and high and showed me the holy city. And as you read through that chapter, it talks about walls made of pure gold, as pure as glass. Walls decorated with things like jasper and sapphire and emeralds and uh, rubies and all kinds of crazy things. The 12 gates were 12 pearls, each gate made with a single pearl. The street of the city was gold, as pure as transparent glass. And as you get into chapter 22, it talks about uh, water of life as clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God down the middle of the great street of the city. All these amazing things, and yet... The disciples didn't have any of these passages. So you have to cut them a little bit of slack. They had the Old Testament, which talks about the afterlife, talks about heaven a little bit, but not nearly as much detail as we have. And so Jesus recognizing, I think, not only some of the tension as he brings the tone down and gets a little bit more reassuring, he shifts gears again because he started off reassuring them about where he's going about where he's going to take them, where, how this all ends, what the plan is long-term. And I think he realizes that he needs to clarify something extremely important. And so he stops talking about where, and he starts talking about and focusing on the way. Less about where and more about the way. And so we'll go back to 1 John 14, verse 5 and 6 now. So Thomas, again, says, Lord, we, we don't know where you're going. How do we know the way? And Jesus answered, I am the way, and I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so in this moment, in the midst of their stress and anxiety, in the midst of their questions about where and when and all these different things, Jesus stops, and with absolute clarity, Jesus declares, I am the way. There is no doubt what question is being asked here. There is no doubt what the answer is referring to. There's no doubt what the conversation is about. Jesus is saying, hey, my time has come. Right? My, my purpose is going to be fulfilled. I'm about to die. I'm going to raise from the dead in three days. I'm going to fulfill all the promises and fulfill the purpose with which God sent me to earth. And when I'm gone, I want you to serve. When I'm gone, I want you to love each other. I want you to show the world what it was like to be with me. I'm going away. You can't come. Eventually you will, but it's going to be great. Trust me. God has a great plan for your future, your, your future together, your future with us. Thankfully, now you know what it's all about. You know where I'm going. You know how to get there. And if you're not sure, forget about where. And let, him, let me clarify once and for all what this is all about. And we find out that wherever it is that he's going, wherever it is that he's going to take us, he is the way there. It's only through Jesus that we experience everything 
that's available. If you're looking for forgiveness from things that you've been carrying throughout your life, if you're looking for purpose, if you're looking for freedom from something that's been enslaving you, something that's, that's got its hold on you, if you're looking for peace, if you're looking for joy in a world without joy, if you're looking for deliverance from something that you've just been carrying, if you're looking for eternal life, if you want to know what this is all about, if you want to know which lens through which we should be seeing the world, if you want to experience everything that you're supposed to experience in this life, if you want to experience everything that you're supposed to experience in the next life, it's only found in him. It's only found in Jesus. He is the one way. He is the one source of truth. He is the one source of life. It's only found in him. And this isn't just this section of John. This is found in other parts of John, other parts of Scripture. John 3.16, some of you got it memorized. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. John 10, Jesus said again, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep, the gate singular. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and they'll go out and they'll find pasture because the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. John eleven twenty five. 25, Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. We can leave John and go to Acts, Acts 4. Salvation is found in no one else for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. That's the name of Jesus. Romans 6, for the wages of sin is death. That is the penalty for our sin, death. Death physically, death spiritually. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. 1 Timothy 2, for there is one God, one mediator between God and mankind, Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all people. Make no mistake, it's all about Jesus. He's the bridge. He's the bridge between you and God, you and the eternity that God has for you. He's the bridge between sin and forgiveness. He's the bridge between death and life. He's the bridge between pain and healing. He's the bridge between sorrow and joy and between pointless and purpose. And so what a terminal moment this becomes for Jesus and his disciples and all of those who kind of get to peek in on this conversation where they'd seen him live. Within the next day or so, they're going to see him die. He's revealed a glimpse at the end game, a glimpse at the long-term plan and how he's obediently doing what he's doing because God has called him to do it. He wants to glorify his father and he's going to do what he's doing obediently for us, for you. And he does us the favor of clarifying the point 100%. No room for twisting it, no room for manipulation. And so in the midst of that, only one question remains. Do you believe? Do you believe? Jesus said that he is the way. Do you believe him? There's a famous quote from C.S. Lewis. We've read it here before. I'll read it here again sometime in the future. It's, it's, it's powerful, and it's just so perfect and to the point of what this is all about based on what Jesus is saying here in John 14. C.S. Lewis said it like this. He said, I'm trying here to prevent anyone saying the really foolish thing that people often say about him. They say, I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. 
That is the one thing we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level of the man who says he's a poached egg, or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God, or else he's a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool, you can spit at him and kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come up with any patronizing nonsense about this being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us, and he did not intend to. Now, I don't know what you came in with, what your background is, what your beliefs are. And if you, if you have zero interest in this, if you, have, if you put no stock in anything the, the Bible says or Jesus or anything like that, then, then that's a totally different conversation. But if you put any stock in what Jesus has to say, you got to know. He said there is an afterlife, there's heaven and hell, and there is a distinction made between the choices that we make in this life, and the most major distinction is what you've done with Jesus. And so that becomes the question. What have you done with Jesus? Because only you can answer that question. Grandma's answer does not apply to you. Your parents' answer does not apply to you. Your, your awesome neighbor, your super religious neighbor who's always praying for people and singing while she works in the garden, her answer does not apply to you. It must be your answer. Who is Jesus? He claimed to be God. He claimed to be the one way to forgiveness, salvation, a full life, eternal life, freedom from sin, cleaned up from the inside out. He claimed to be the only way that's possible, the only source of the truth of that. Do you believe him? I want to give you a moment because I, I, sometimes I think we find ourselves in situations, I think there's a lot of people who grow up in this environment, in a church environment, who know exactly what to say, know exactly what to do, know how to look on a Sunday morning, know how to get through it, and yet never made it their own decision. Like, like little Parker that we prayed for this morning, that, that, that Drew and Cindy dedicated to the Lord this morning, like the families we had in the first service, they recognize that they can do their job, right? They can teach him the verses, show him the truth, give him an example of a life lived for Christ. And yet at some point, little Parker has to come to a place in his own life, in his own heart, where he says either I believe or I don't believe. That same question is posed to you. So I want to give you an opportunity. If you just bow your head and close your eyes this morning, I just want to give, maybe you're there. Maybe this is your first time in a church in your entire life, and all of this is brand new to you, and what an amazing thing for you to stumble into. I just want to create a moment of quiet. Because if that's where you're at, and you've never made that decision, if you've never in your heart believed as simple as just saying, God, I, I believe. I believe that Jesus is God. I believe that he came to earth with a very specific purpose to show us the kingdom of God, to die in my place, to rise from the dead, to defeat death once and for all, to forgive my sins. Say, God, I believe that's true. You say, God, I, I've been doing things my way. I've lived in my own strength. I've made a lot of mistakes. Forgive me. Heal me from the inside out. 
Lord, from this day forward, help me to love you and live for you. It's a big decision. It's a major statement to say, I believe. And yet that statement, that moment of belief and surrender is the most important moment of your life. So if that's where you're at, I'd love to pray for you. love to help you any way that I can. love to connect you with some resources, with, with people to, to talk to and, and start taking steps of growth. Maybe you're someone who's been following Jesus most of your life and you find yourself on a different path these days. Maybe you've been following a different way. Maybe you've been relying on a different source of truth, chasing a different kind of life. Let us know. Love to, I'm not going to embarrass you. We're not going to bring you up on stage and let you spill your guts in front of everybody. Just, just want to pray for you and help you take some steps in that direction. So we, we've got connection cards back on the info center table. Throw your name down and let us know what you're struggling with, how we can pray for you, any decision that you've made. We'd love to hear it. If you made a decision to follow Jesus or get back on the path of following him, it's a big deal and it's not a path that's meant to be walked alone. That's why we get small. Right? And sometimes get small is a small group. Sometimes get small is serving. Sometimes get small is simply communicating to someone what God is doing in your life and what you need help with. Over the next couple of weeks, Jesus gets a little bit more into what it looks like to live out the truth of following him. A little bit next week, a little bit on the Holy Spirit, like what's the Holy Spirit and what role does he play in all of this? Getting into uh, a little bit of what it looks like to invest in our relationship with Jesus, even though he's gone in, in physical form. Um, but to close out today, just be assured, if you have the Son, you have life. You've embarked on the narrow road. This chapter, John 14, is one of the most pivotal chapters in all of human history. But I say thank God for the truth. Thank God for the clarity that he gives us in a world full of gray, in a life of gray, even scriptures that are sometimes gray, he gives us clarity on this topic, the most important topic. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time. And, and God, in, in the midst of a life and experiences and, and conversations and even Bible verses sometimes that feel so unclear, thank you for clarity and direction when it comes to this, when it comes to our lives, when it comes to eternity. And God, if there's any, anyone here this morning, any who are maybe watching this morning online or, or later this week, God, I just pray that you would touch our hearts and just stir in us a, a special desire to follow you. God, if there's any who have never chosen uh, to embark on that journey, who have never actually stopped and thought and, and expressed their belief, God, I pray that that would happen today, that would happen this week, that you would soften our hearts, open the eyes of our hearts to see the truth, and experience it for ourselves. Pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, guys. Have a great afternoon. Be sure to hit the small group tables before you walk out today. Thanks.